This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. For checking out the coach show i'm brian billick joined as usual by my partner steve mariucci and uh, coach you know me it's always it's always about the road wins it's to me the teams that can go on the road at this time of year and have that substantial win we had a couple teams that had an opportunity to the delivered were arizona and philadelphia uh, can we for can we not wait for the other shoe to drop in arizona they're for real right <laughs> You know, I, since I'm on the road and I'm on remote, I need to get one of those headsets. That I know. You have, I'm not. That's pretty, <laughs> no, you are I'm, looking pretty cool, like you're on an airplane trying to sleep. I look like I'm um, doing the four o'clock traffic. <laughs> yeah, big wins and and uh, you know, kind of different. You know, the Cardinals were playing on the road against a backup quarterback, and the Eagles were playing on the road with their backup quarterback. And so, but like you said, it's it's tough to get a win on the road. And, you know, football is kind of crazy that way. It's the most communicative sport, and the home team wins about 62% of the time. And so to, if you get a – heck, if you're 500 on the road, you're doing great. And so uh, Arizona went into a hostile environment in Dallas and proved that they are maybe the best team in the NFC. I don't know why I said maybe. I think they are. Yeah, why are we and, so hesitant to, to – I, I, I keep thinking – I was thinking last night as I'm watching the game, if any other – or just about any other team had done what Arizona had done. Remember, they finished on a seven and two. They were ten and six, didn't go to the playoffs. They finished on seven and two. The only teams they lost to are playoff teams. The only team they've lost to <laughs> this year is Peyton Manning and the Denver yeah. Broncos, and they did so with one of those backup quarter. Their backup to their quarterback, uh, yeah. backup to their backup. Logan Thomas was playing. Why do we hesitate to say, "Hey, this is this is the real deal"? We did it with Dallas. We said, "Absolutely, they're gonna." Why do we hesitate with yeah. Arizona still? I don't know, but we need to change that right now. We do, right now. now on, we're talking about the favorite is the Cardinals to play in the Super Bowl in their home stadium. You know, because, man, alive are they doing a good job. And and they went into Dallas. And, and, uh, you know, Dallas, yeah, we mentioned they played with their backup quarterback. Finally, they had some adversity. Things have been going just right for Dallas all year. Well, Arizona's had adversity the whole year, right? Carson Palmer missed three games. They won two games. With Drew Stanton, they've miss, missing five guys on defense. They keep shutting guys down, and so Bruce is doing such a great job with that team. And then they host the Rams, you know, a, a game that they're going to be expected to win. And man, alive! And I guess maybe because they haven't been to the playoffs much, and and they're in the tough division. We always talk about Seattle and the 49ers. Well. <laughs> Things have changed in the NFC West, boy, haven't they? Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about that one, specifically the 49ers a little bit later. But I look at those corners with Cromartie and Peterson, and you look at that game, and, and Terrence Williams and Des Bryant, who have been tearing it up. Now, some of it had to do with Brandon Wheaton. Well, obviously, as you mentioned, they're talking about their backup quarterback. But these guys were an absolute non-factor to the end of the game. They had, what, a combined four catches on 17 targets on the whole day. They, yeah. they had their share of drops. Wheaton hit uh, Des Bryant a couple times, and he flat dropped the ball. I don't know whether it was a different rotation or whatever. Uh, this defense kept Murray for the first time this year under 100 yards. Made me mad uh, on our playbook. Sterling predicted it'd be under 100. I said, it's going to be under 70, and he had 79, <laughs> so he screwed me on that one. 
Because you know this be, these bold predictions, we're being held accountable for these bold predictions now. But that defense absolutely is the real deal. And Carson Palmer seems as calm and as comfortable, good protection, threw a pick, but didn't rattle him, came right back and, and totally composed and took that team down the field the rest of the day. Carson, it, that's, there's a guy we never talk about right. either. We don't give him any love at all. He's only won 12 out of the last 14 starts he's had. He's the only undefeated quarterback this year there is um, because when, they, when he missed a game, then they lost one. But um, I'm, I'm watching that defense because they're, they're missing so many parts, but you'd never know it. Right. And they play this eight-man front. They load it up a lot. And when you do that, you have eight in the box. You should be good against the run because you have a lot of bodies, you know, to tackle. You, you have a free hitter. And then they blitz so much, they're going to overload blitz you and have a free rusher. Well, the problem with that is you better be able to, ha- you know, hold up on the outside, right? <laughs> well, Patrick Peterson and Antonio Cromartie are as good a pair of corners as we have in the National Football League. And that's why they're arrogant enough. Todd Bull says, all right, we're going to load the box. We're going to give these guys a big job to do because they do it well. And now you see if you can complete some passes. Dez didn't have a catch till the 58th minute of that game. And so that's why this team is fun to watch. And, uh, you know, on, on offense, too, um, Carson is playing very good football. He's getting the ball to Larry Fitzgerald here all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, I think they're certainly in the driver's seat. Um, but it's going to get tougher. Sure. Let's face it, they're going to play the Seahawks twice, the 49ers again. And, you know, the Rams are always the spoiler at times. And so, but you talk about those corners up. matching up, and I'm looking at their schedule the rest of the way. And really, only in Detroit, assuming Calvin Johnson comes back, and obviously Golden Tate's been. Uh, and they been, go to Arizona, right? They play at Arizona. Correct. They're Detroit's at Arizona, so that's an advantage. And. I look at the rest of the way, maybe Matt Ryan in Atlanta, but, you know, they're they're really struggling right now. Alex Smith in Kansas City, you know. So they're really not going to face, whether it's like they saw with Peyton Manning and that receiving core or even what they might have seen yesterday with Des Bryant and and, uh, uh, obviously Terrence Williams and, and the tight end. But So I'd, I'm looking at their schedule the rest of the way. I don't know that there's another really yeah. hard test for that to where Todd Bowles, who leads the league in, in pressures. The two tough games that I can remember with their schedule is, would be at Seattle. It's right. always a tough game. But remember, they beat them there last year. Right. And at San Francisco. And San Francisco should be healthier than they've been. San Francisco is disappointing. They're missing a lot of parts on defense, but towards the end of the year now, they're going to get back Alden Smith. They should get back Glenn Dorsey and Navarro Bowman. Patrick so Willis will be, be in there as well. Patrick Willis is another guy I didn't play. So, you know, the, the, the Niners are going to finish strong. It's just a matter of how deep a hole they're going to dig right. for themselves. Well, we'll get to the Niners in a second. I want to move to the other big road win, obviously the Eagles. And even though it was Houston, for them to go on the road and play Houston, that was a matchup they might have struggled a little bit. And as you said, they lose their starter, and Nick Foles, who hadn't looked very good. In comes Mark Sanchez, and now uh, the, 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 you know, the Eagles are flying high, so to speak, obviously with Dallas losing. And, but do we think Mark Sanchez is going to be the guy for them? Is he indeed going to resurrect his career? Came in, looked pretty good. Two interceptions, but they weren't his fault. Those right. were two bad. One get bounced right up in the air. The other one, Riley Cooper didn't turn and look. So the two interceptions, in fairness, weren't Mark Sanchez's fault. But, is okay, is he, is, is he going to be the guy? Is he going to turn this thing around? 
I, you know, he's going to have to be for a while with Nick Foles' uh, collarbone broken. Um, but I believe Nick's going to get the job back, you know, when, when, when uh, he's healthy. But this offense looks good for Mark Sanchez. Sanchez. You know, it looks good for him. Mm-hmm. He looked comfortable in it. He's been there. You know, he, he, they didn't just sign him last week. Now right. he's been there learning the system. Looked very good system. in preseason. Preseason. He was in the OTAs, the whole thing. So he's well-schooled on it. And, you know, Foles is a pretty good athlete. He's taller, played a little basketball. But Sanchez is a good right. athlete. And remember him coming out. He was very good on feet. the move. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to you know, sprinkle in a couple of those read options. Sanchez can do that. And he can throw from the run. That one touchdown pass was a nice – it was kind of a West Coast offense play. You know, you got the guy in there and you got the guy there. And then he threw it nice and low, touchdown on the run. And he can do that well. So I think, you know, that wasn't an easy win on the road against Houston because they've lost some road games. They haven't looked right. very good on the road. They've already lost to um, – let's see, they lost to San Francisco. They lost at Arizona. You know, so, you know, if they can if steal one on the road with Sanchez, that's fantastic. Uh, here's he what, will play well. Yeah, here's what worries me, and I'm sure he's capable of playing well, but that system, like all systems, but that one in particular, because it's all about an upbeat, it's all about a lot of a lot of plays. And and I made the comment, they're, they're, this system's beginning to look a little run-and-shootish to me. Mm. You know, mm. up and down the field, bogged down in the red zone, so I'm, i I got I got to wait before I – I really buy into it. Mm. But Sanchez, the other thing I'm seeing is Nick Foles has gotten into some problems this year. You have to make a lot of quick decisions. And that's what concerns me about Sanchez. I can see a lot of turn. This guy's a a one-to-one touchdown to interception ratio, which Mm. I know he came out of a couple different systems in New York and all that. He's a sub-50, 60%. He's a sub-55% guy. So when that system is all about, right, completions, High efficiency, you can't turn the ball over, not that you can in any system, and you make those big plays, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced that he's going to, now that we're going to get a steady diet of him, he'll look good. He, he reminds me of Den, Vinny Testaverde. Remember Denny, Vinny Testaverde? If he could throw the ball mm-hmm. 30, 35 times, could be awesome. But if he threw the ball 45 times, you're going to get every bit of Vinny Testaverde with a lot of touchdowns and a lot of interceptions. And that's kind of what – I'm a little concerned about with franchise in that system. Well, they're getting, they're getting healthier on the offensive line. You know, they like to run the ball. They haven't run it like they did last year when they led the league in rushing. But if they can get back to that, better up front, more balance, and help them out with the play action. You know, the system is crazy because they have guys wide open a lot. Right. And much more than the system that he had over there with the Jets. Much more conventional, eye formation, you know, play action stuff. So I kind of like him. I, 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 now we've seen, we've seen backup quarterbacks come in right. and make a splash, right. and then as you keep playing, uh, right, and then, full you know, body of work. Up. Now the true, you know, it's like Kirk Cousins started off right. great, and then all of a sudden, you know, Colt McCoy started off with one big game, and you know we can't anticipate those guys doing that week in and week out. It doesn't happen. But I like Mark Sanchez in terms of he's a veteran guy, been there, done that. And I think they give him the keys to that car. I think he's going to do all right. If, if I'm Mark Sanchez, I find a whole bunch of, of Jeremy Macklin. He, he really looks like hey. he has emerged and come out of the shadows of that. You know, he was in the shadow of Deshaun Jack, uh, Jackson all that time. He, he, he looks like the real deal now to me. Right. I mean, he, he hurt his knee last year. He didn't play. Can you imagine if, if they would have both of those guys, oh. if they would have signed back Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin, talk about speed on the outside, and oh my God, they would be just loaded 
with their receiving core, but they chose not to do that. But he's really picking up the slack. Yeah, he's having a great year, no doubt. Yeah, and they can use him in so many different ways that uh, uh, he, he's, you know, a lot of people compared him uh, to Percy Harvin, although he's not in the backfield kind of guy. You can run the jet sweep and some of the quick screens, not quite that sheer physical presence out of the backfield the way that a Percy Harvin can. But I think he's a much more developed receiver down the field than Percy Harvin is. Percy Harvin still, everything tends to be short or in behind the line of scrimmage. Jeremy Macklin, he looks like a legitimate receiver down the field to me. He's going to go from uh, a year off because he blew his knee to you know, just devastating to this year playing very well to next year he'll be the next paid a man. Yes, he's, he's, uh, gonna, he's on a contract year. Always a good thing. Be, he's going to be paid whether it's there or somewhere else. He's doing a great I job. I always liked that because I know I was going to get a lot of energy and a lot of productivity, and it wasn't my money. So <laughs> we could spend all that we wanted to. Well, let's talk. I mean, everybody's got we, – got to talk about two teams now that, that uh, really impressive wins, the Steelers and the Patriots. Again, now both teams at home, so not as impressive of wins as we just talked about. But I don't know that there was the anticipation, particularly when you talk about the Steelers. Now we got—I got to give ourselves some love here. We were talking last week about how Ben doesn't get the love he deserves. You know, we were talking about the Big Four and the Big Five and all the South—you know, the African stuff and the animals and whatever—and that he ought to be in the conversation with the Bradys <laughs> and the Mannings and whatever. Back-to-back six touchdown a game. I'd say, yeah, I'd say the, uh, the 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 cat's out of that bag. That was unbelievable to have two back-to-back six touchdown performances. Didn't didn't like Y.A. Tittle do that once? Well, yeah, but back, he didn't. He back, didn't do it back to back. Back in the day when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why don't we think of Big Ben? I don't know what you were talking about animals in the kingdom and all that stuff. But I, <laughs> I you know, I, I do remember the conversation with these other quarterbacks that are more the prototype. They're pretty. They're you know they're 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 the guys that you show you teaching film and you show younger quarterbacks how to play the position. And Ben is kind of rough and tumble guy. And I don't know if it's perception or reality. I don't know what it is. All I know is his team has improved so much. We had him early Thursday night against Baltimore, and they got pounded. Oh, Baltimore terrible. Got Absolutely terrible. 26 going, to 6. My God, maybe it's time. And all of a sudden, he looks like a kid again. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm really shocked, impressed, all of it. Big Ben is just on a roll as a passer, as a passer and a playmaker. I love it. Well, we did a thing on, on Playbook on on. Friday, based on the conversation you and I had last week, because I wanted to go back and look at him in the pocket. And to me, that's where some of the improvements come. He's always been able to extend plays, shrug guys off and run to the outside and then throw the ball down the field. But Todd Haley, and, and he's come under some criticism, but he's done a nice job of refining Ben's game. Much better in the pocket, avoid the rush, drop the shoulder, step up, keep the vision, turn the shoulders, and do those things that we know Ben Roethlisberger can do. Can you imagine as good as Anthony or, or, and, and, uh, uh, Brown is Brown. doing? Can you imagine if Emmanuel Sanders was still there? Oh my God! <laughs> I know. He'd all have these, six touchdowns ifs. a quarter. All these ifs. If my chicken had lips, it could whistle. <laughs> yeah. But you know, remember when we were first talking about the relationship between Ben and right. Todd Haley, and right. they didn't they get along, and I don't like the offense and this and that, and all of a sudden it's like, hey. People are going to start studying this offense in the offseason because it looks pretty explosive to me. So, um, and Le'Veon Bell, huge in it. You know, I, I looked at the, I wanted to go back and look at the numbers that first game. And here's what's some, and it's classic Ben Roethlisberger to me. In the first game where it was 26 to 6, they did nothing. Okay. In game one, they had about a little over 300 yards offense, ran the ball about a little over 50 yards, 6 of 12 on third down. Now, here's the thing in this second game, 
Six touchdowns. Blew them out, 43-23. to A little over 370 yards, not that much more. 55 yards rushing, 6 of 14. So, to me, that's classic Ben Roethlisberger. The numbers aren't dramatically different. He just has six touchdowns compared to nothing in the first game. That's classic that's Ben all. Roethlisberger. Yeah, it is. And, and it, you know, I don't know if he can keep it up, but uh, he, he likes his weapons. And you mentioned Le'Veon Bell. I'm going to call him up, you know, because he's lost 20 pounds, you know, over last year, and I haven't. And so I'm going to find out what he did. But, boy, does he look like a complete back to me. He looks, he looks athletic. He looks fast. He can catch the ball. He can play receiver. He can pass protect. He can do everything. And you know – a back, a, a terrific back back there, not only helps your running game out, but it certainly helps your pass game out. And and I think finally the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are becoming known for an explosive offense, not just that steel curtain right. kind of defense. That, and all that, that yeah, kind of the stuff. defense still has a few issues though. They're they're well, they're, younger. They, they're going to be a little vulnerable still. And obviously Dick LeBeau, no one does a better job than Dick LeBeau. Um, well, let's talk about the Patriots. I, I, what stunned me about that game, and, and we know it's always capable. At home, we know how good Tom Brady is at home, and they just got on a roll and there was nothing Denver could do. And Gronkowski, huge game. I was amazed. We talked about it last week. Twice last week uh, against Gronkowski, we saw the Chicago Bears put a linebacker on Gronkowski down inside the five, two touchdowns. I look up and I see uh, Denver doing the same thing. How do you put a linebacker on Gronkowski inside the 10? You're stuck with it sometimes. I don't know. That's not them. But what's a better matchup? A small little safety? Whatever I, I it is, you put, put two of them on him. <laughs> That's why. Remember a couple of years ago, we saw a vice on Megatron on the goal line so he wouldn't run a fade? I don't know. Maybe you have to do that with Gronk because safeties can't cover him. Linebackers certainly can't cover him if they're if he's out as a wide receiver. They just not they don't practice against the fade and the back no. shoulder throw. And the corners ever. are too small. You can't put a yeah, corner yeah, so, on them because they're too so small. It's, an, it's an absolute nightmare. But sometimes defenses get stuck. They call, you know, cover one or they call a one blitz or whatever that is, and they have to match up with those receivers and they got all you know, they got some receivers now that can, you know, how about Edelman? Where did he come from? Yeah. Woodside High School, right up the road here. But anyway, um, it, 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 you get stuck with a, this matchup. Oh, it's, uh, it's a linebacker covering Gronk. Oh, he's out here. I got to follow him. Oh, my God. Hang on. It's, uh, it's kind of fun to And you got to feel I'm for gonna... that linebacker because you know when they, you know, they shift him out there so you get that linebacker on him. He's squatting down there. You know he's thinking, they're going to throw this guy. I know they're going to throw. Now, what am I going to do? You know, that's like when you were a tight end back in the day. Oh, I was a huge matchup. You were a, you were a nightmare, not just on the football field, but you were every, everybody's nightmare. <laughs> on and up. Well, just our, our Pittsburgh and, of course, this is a week-to-week league. We know that. Are Pittsburgh and New England the teams to beat in the AFC now? Oh, you're just going to crown Pittsburgh just because they just one. Hey, hey, we're a league. What have you done for me lately? And lately, two back-to-back <laughs> 12, touch, you know, 12 touchdowns in two weeks. That'll get my yeah. attention. But are they? Yeah. Are they the two best in the AFC? Yeah, I, I'm not going to just throw away Denver. All right, they had a mulligan. Uh, you know, they when they were down 27 to seven at halftime, I went, "What is going on here?" Because Denver is and should be a great team. All right, their personnel is much better than it was in the Super Bowl. It's a long season. You're going to have a. You're going to stub your toe once in a while. Well, they just stubbed it, yeah. and so they'll be. They'll get back on track. So I, I would rank Denver over. Pittsburgh but right wasn't now. that the significance of last night that that if in, it, it 
if we go through New England, New England wins. If we go through Denver, Denver wins. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of that great rivalry that we're watching with Peyton and Tom Brady now 11-5 to in favor of Tom. But, I, I mean, I, I picked Denver to win. Stupid me. I mean, I, 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 I we just all thought did. Every, everybody. I think just about everybody you know, picked him to win. But, you, boy, oh, boy, it, it, Tom Brady in Foxborough is just, what, 43-3? and three? Crazy. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, what had been the darlings of the league, and now over the last two weeks we've, we've gone cold on them because we are a league of, what, of instant gratification, and you've got to be good right now or forget it. Uh, is Dallas, how, how much trouble do we think Dallas is in? I still, Romo on that back, I realize they're telling me it's a chip, but it's not structurally, it's just a matter of pain, but he's had a lot of things going on between the collarbone and the shoulder and now the, the spine and the back. To me, the cumulative effect of this, it concerns me a little bit. Are we done yeah, with me Romo? Too. Look at this, I got, I got a bad back too, and I got this little thing right here, I got to sit with it because my back aches half the time, and Romo's going to be doing that at age 35 yeah. if he doesn't get rested. And so um, I'm glad that he didn't play last week. Would you I play would him this week? Have... It's Jacksonville. Unless he is running around dancing, feeling perfect, I wouldn't play him. Buy enough because you got to buy after this, so now you're buying. Yeah, two you got to buy. More. So you get a, you get two more weeks of him just resting, relaxing, getting not only his back rested, but his entire body feeling better. You know, and it's not any disrespect to Jacksonville because they're they're, they're Gus Bradley's got them playing hard, and you know they're gonna they're gonna upset somebody sooner or later. And uh, he's so, got them playing. But, when you say they got them playing hard, that's like saying. You know, for a big girl, she you doesn't know, sweat much. You know what it's much, saying? Right? It's saying it, it got them playing hard, and they're just, they're just out talented. I mean, yeah. they're they're not the same no as other teams. They're trying to build it, you know, and they and Gus will. They need to give him time to build it up because he's the right guy for that job. But I I would start Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon is good. He won five games in Cleveland for God's sakes, and Cleveland wasn't very good at that time. And so he's capable of winning games and beating Jacksonville if he takes care of the ball. You know, Jacksonville's not like Arizona defense. That's a tough defense to come into yeah. and ex- be expected to win. And, and their, their, their defense is still healthy enough to, to help. DeMarco Murray is still healthy. That offensive line is still good. That hasn't changed. So I would rest Tony, and I'd let him uh, have a couple more weeks, get him back, and I think Dallas can beat Jacksonville, yeah. and they'll get back on top. Uh, the problem I have with Wheaton is that no, it's not a problem, but Tony was the perfect quarterback. You're going to run the ball. And you got the big receivers, and Tony could make plays outside the design of the offense. Make JJ Watt miss, or spin around, do that whirling dervish, yeah. and then find yeah. Terrence Williams for that third and twenty, or find him down the middle of the field. Brandon Wheaton will give you the plays that are called, and nothing more. Yeah, it's got to come through the structure of the offense because he's not going to freelance and buy some of these. So it's 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 a tougher burden for Scott Lanahan, the offensive coordinator and play caller. They they're up to it, obviously. But on a day where Demarco Murray did not go off for a hundred yards, and you need your quarterback to step up and make those plays, he just he just didn't do it. Let's move on yeah. to your your Forty ers that was uh, – you talk about significant road wins. Well, this was a significant home loss to score only 10 points against, as we you like to say, no disrespect, but to the St. Louis Rams at home, only 10 points. There are some serious problems going on with San Francisco right now. Can you hear it? My window's open. This whole Bay Area is just – Groaning. Um, 
And what a way to end that game on a fumbled quarterback sneak. And Cap says today he was over the goal line and we'll never know because there was a pile up this high. And so, but it shouldn't have come down to something right. like that. They weren't good enough in many areas. They went, didn't convert third downs. They got sacked six times in the first half for right. crying out loud. By a team and that had not had six sacks on the season. I know it. And it, without Chris Long. And so, um, shocking win for the, uh, or shocking loss. Whatever, whatever point of view you saw it. In fact, I saw Jim Fassel, your buddy, at the airport because he came in for the game last for night. John. For John. His yeah, son John's John, the, the special teams coaching. coordinator for. So he and his wife were in a good mood last night at the airport going home. But uh, what a game that was. And, and uh, the, the Niners, we all know they're missing some parts. But the funny thing is they're missing parts on defense, all right? Patrick Willis and Dorsey and Navarro Bowman and Alden Smith. Those are great players, okay? They're great players. They're missing them, yet their defense is still ranked first or second in the National Football League. Well, they gave up less than 200 yards and 13 points. Defense wasn't the problem yesterday. That's not the problem. The problem is the offense, and I don't – I'm trying to – I try to watch them because I have a vested interest. I know the coaches and the players and everybody here. I'm trying to decide or figure out what their identity is on offense. And it's and I don't know what it is. It's they're you know they they like to run the ball, but they didn't run the ball much. And they they have a great offensive line that really did hasn't played quite up to its expectations just yet. Um, Cap can be explosive and dynamic, and then sometimes it's like, what did he just do? Um, I think they have a good receiving core. I think Vernon Davis is underutilized. We talked about Gronk, and you talk about Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates. Julius Thomas, all these, all these unbelievable Travis Kelsey in Kansas City, another tight end that's really coming on. Where's uh, Vernon Davis? Right. He had two catches for 19 or whatever it was. He, he's not been healthy. He's not been healthy. But this guy's the fastest guy of all of those guys that we're talking about. And so they've got to find a way to get him healthy and productive because Vernon Davis is kind of a forgotten soul over there a little bit. Um, but Frank Gore's got to be. He still has to be a guy that's pounding it in there. They'll figure it out as the season goes, but they can't dig such a hole that they end up uh, watching the playoffs. Well, and at four and four, you know, obviously they're they're they've already lost Arizona. Okay, so that's that's where where Arizona's got to play Seattle twice. They've got to play San Francisco once. But it, with Arizona sitting at seven one, a four and four Forty Nine er team are quickly going to find themselves not in the NFC West, but in the NFC Wild Card Division, to where now they're competing competing with Green Bay. Uh, Dallas, Seattle. Seattle, that whole group, Philly, which yeah. becomes really, really interesting. What about, uh, and you're right there, could we begin, you know, it's one thing to say, no, we're together, it's, we're fine, Jim Harbaugh's fine, and we, but now could that some of that chipping that we've heard start to expand some of the supposed, you know, not uh, good with the locker room and Jim, and, you know, we know he's going to burr up and go off at some point here. <laughs> he was funny. He was funny in his press conference last week. They were talking about majors in college and everything. They asked him what he majored in. He went, communications, and they all started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> because Dead I don't know. <laughs> Can you imagine him? Oh. And, uh, so, and he's not one of those funny guys, all right? And so um, it's like over in Chicago, you lose a couple games. Everybody's, like, blaming everybody else. And it's like, I confess he did it. Right. And so um, – you know, I, I think I think they've had enough success with that team, and, and most of that team is from those three 
NFC Championship games and better that they are hanging their hat. They have some credibility with each other and the systems that they're saying, you know, we, we know how to win here. We know how to get this done. Let's just get back on track. It's not, it's, it's not mutiny on the bounty where, where it's like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. They just got to figure out how to, it's, it, it's an offensive problem. It's not a defensive problem. Their defense is good right now and going to be better. Their offense has got to find their rhythm. And that's where part of the problem comes. I know that because you and I were offensive guys, quote unquote. That you became, are pretty offensive. I am that. I've been told right. that. And, and when you become a head coach, you can't shake that mantle. So when you're when that's the side of the ball that you're not good on, on this on the part that you're supposed to be the expert. Now I know Greg Roman. Greg worked for me in Baltimore, and he's calling the offense and orchestrating the offense, and Jim's involved. But that that adds another level of concern now. People find that as a way to be a little more critical, going, well, you're supposed to be this offensive guru, and that's our problem. Something's wrong here. So that, that could be a problem going down the way here. Let's talk about uh, RG3 back on the scene. Uh, people are still questioning, should John, should John Gruden um, or Jay Gruden have played him? Yeah, yeah. He looked good enough to me. Yeah, he did. You know, I, I, he – he had some throws he'd like to have back, and he wasn't perfect. He looked a little rusty on occasion, but he still he looked healthy. He looked healthier than he did last year to me. And so um, Jay was saying that he was ready and healthy enough to play a week ago, you know. And, and he said, "I'm going to be. I'm going to take the conservative approach and say well, give, I'm going to give him another week. He's right. not going to like it." But Colt McCoy played well and beat Fine. Dallas. Yeah, great. Congratulations. But he's looking now sit for down long. And <laughs> shut he's up, because RG three is going in. Yeah, and, and I mean this is come on, they gave up a lot of draft picks for this guy. Right. They need to find out if he's going to stay healthy and play well enough to to justify all that trade. And this is the time to do it right now. And 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 Robert Griffin is healthy enough to play well, and I I want to see the guy play. And I, there's no, it's not by coincidence that all of a sudden Alfred Morris has his best game because of the potential of him getting outside. I'm talking no about RG3. Deshaun Jackson shows up with 120 yards and four catches. So, yeah, I, and, and those want to be critical of it that, that for some reason – I mean, we've both been in that situation. If the player says he's ready, you look at the docs, is he ready? And then you, just like Jay Gruden did, make the decision, you know what, he's ready or I'm going to wait a week for this reason. Uh, yeah. And and then when you do, you go. You go from there and it's it's yeah. – it's, uh, It'll be interesting to see them going forward because clearly he's going to have to be the guy uh, that they build their, their, after that big win in Dallas now because I live obviously in the D.C. area and, and now it's, you know, the, 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 the world is falling again and see we're no better and we got RG3 back. And, um, <laughs> but but he, he looked healthy enough to me. So uh, I'll be interested to see now. And I was very – I thought it was interesting. I was doing game day live. Second play of the game, read option, boom, he's to the outside. He, Jay said, okay, if you're yeah. healthy, we're going to use it all. They can't help themselves because yeah. that is very tempting just to, hey, he might scoot for 40 here. You might as well use him. Yeah, let him go. Play ball. Yeah, yep. But I, I didn't notice a lot. It was, I thought it was well planned because now you did it once. Okay, you were thinking we weren't going to use RG3 that way. We did, and now you just let Alfred Morris go off and you know hand the ball off. And I don't remember – I'm sure he did, but I don't remember seeing him running the read option another time. But you set the tone early with that first call. Let's um, – uh, again, not as substantial because it was the home team that won. But, boy, Miami, we talk about a team that, that we kind of mm. hesitate to put our stamp on. Ryan Tannehill in particular, and I've been critical of Ryan Tannehill. That's as good as I've ever seen him play. 
He, he looked, as Bill Walsh would say, he had the full repertoire of throws. He had the touch on the intermediate. He had the deep at the back end of here, ran the ball around. He, he looked as good as I've seen Ryan Tannehill play. He's one of those young quarterbacks that we don't talk much about. We don't put him in the Andrew Luck category or Russell Wilson because he won a Super Bowl. But sometimes we forget about this kid. He's way over there in Miami with a team that's just trying to get to the playoffs. But you're right. He can make all of those throws. And he's a better athlete than we give him credit for, Brian. You remember when he played at A&M before Johnny Football. Was a receiver. He was a receiver. And he can run. And you'll see him pull it down on a scramble. They will run him on a little zone read stuff just for kicks. And he can run. And, the, and that's where he separates himself a little bit. He's faster than an Andy Dalton and, he, and, and some of these other young guys, too. Now, the other thing that's helping him, the defense. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty darn good defense. And they gave Phillip Rivers everything he could handle. Sacked him four times, took the ball away from him four times. And this swarming defense over there in Miami, of course, helps any quarterback out. But this is a team that's... You know, they're all, that division's always going to be chasing the Patriots. Patriots right. always win that division. But this team's going to be fighting for a, for a playoff spot as a wild-card team because of a growing, getting better quarterback and a defense that's good enough. And that's a less crowded wild-card field, I think, when you're talking about Cleveland, Buffalo, Miami. San Diego looks like Kansas City would fall in that uh, category in behind mm-hmm. Denver. So I don't know that it's quite as competitive. So I, I, where before I thought, well, no, this isn't a playoff team. They can be in that. But they're not going to catch New England, in my opinion. I may be wrong. But they're, they're, they're capable because they got the defense. Miller's running the ball okay. You're going to get another 30, 40, maybe 50 yards from Tannehill on a regular basis. And he's throwing the ball. He hit 10 different receivers the other day, which is new. So he, he really seems – remember, he was going to be benched in London. Uh, a couple of weeks you know ago, what? I think that was a motivational ploy because <laughs> I, I looks mean, that after, way now. It, you know what I mean? Just to kind of just put a spark on, you know, and all that, and it seemed to work, I guess. But um, they, this was a statement game for Miami. I mean, they beat just a couple of weeks ago. We're talking about San Diego Chargers contending for this division over here in the AFC West over Denver, and all of a sudden now they hit a little bit of a slump. Um, Miami shutting them out 37 to nothing really gets our attention because that was a statement game for this team. Yeah, and I know it's West Coast, East Coast, and early time for San Diego, but you're right. That goose egg by San Diego, you can't – that, as I said, that's going to leave a mark, and San Diego's going to have to mentally overcome that. Um, the team we forget about because they had the bye and coming off the, the London game, um, Detroit, Calvin Johnson presumably back, now to go with Golden Tate. We saw what – Mohamed Sanu did for Cincinnati, and then they get A.J. Green back. Okay, well, Golden Tate's been phenomenal. They get Calvin Johnson back. They've got one of the best defenses. Um, we forget about Detroit, but Detroit, should they not be right there with Arizona? It's, it feels odd to say it, but uh, Arizona, Detroit, best two teams in the NFC? <laughs> yeah, that's, that felt odd. Feels odd, doesn't it? That. But, you know, but they're six and two, and you get Megatron back. They've won games without their guys, right. without Megatron, without Bush, uh, without three tight ends. One game, I mean, they, you know, Matthew Stafford's trying to hang on to that offense. Golden Tate was a great acquisition in the offseason for them. But the but the 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 pleasant surprise over there in in uh, Motown 
is that defense because they've been terrible over the last decade, decade and a half. And all of a sudden, all those draft picks and all that defensive front, oh boy, that's a scary defense. So when you have that, you know this, Brian, you won a lot of games with a great defense. That's where how they're built right now a little bit on defense. And Jim Caldwell has enough experience because that was a hard thing for me. I had to learn going in when I went to Baltimore and looked up and, you know what, this defense is pretty dang good and we're only so good offensively. You, it takes a different mindset to orchestrate that kind of game, and Jim Caldwell has clearly done that. So, yeah, gonna, a lot of interesting games coming up. We're at that point, that dash for the cash, obviously. November is when it really gets uh, you know interesting as teams move forward. So uh, always a lot of fun, Coach. Want to thank everybody for checking out the Week 9 Coaches Show, and you can always check us out at NFL Now.